Good morning and welcome to Rural Queensland today for Tuesday morning, the 28th of November. A very good morning to everybody listening to us across the Resonate Broadcast Network through 4SB in Kingaroy, 4ZR in Roma, 4VL in Charleville, 4HI in Emerald, 4LM Mount Isa, 4LG Longridge, 4GC Charters Towers and the Hot Country Network. Good morning to you. So much to get through on this busy show for you this morning. And a very good morning to everybody listening to us across the Resonate Broadcast Network. Uh, I hope you are well. Spotify is where you can go anytime you like to catch up with any of our previous episodes. Rural Queensland today. Huge show. Robbie Rattle, the dairy farmer that's closing his business up for 113 years. Unbelievable, this story. You, ca- you cannot script it. We're going to catch up also with Brett Fraser from the Tourism Queensland Industry Council. He's the CEO. And also, David Chrisafulli. He joins us next, the LNP leader, the opposition leader, David Christopher he joins us next. This is Rural Queensland today. A very good morning to everybody listening to us. Let's get into it and catch up with the opposition leader, David Christopher Lee, on Rural Queensland today. Welcome back to Rural Queensland today on the Resonate Broadcast Network, Tuesday morning, the 28th of November, as we march towards December. It is my pleasure to have the opposition leader, David Christopher Woolley, the member for Broadwater, joining me this morning. Um, uh, it has never been a more serious time in the political landscape in Queensland. David, good morning. I know it's a busy week. It's Parliament. It's a sitting week. Thank you for giving me some time this morning. You're very welcome, Dobbo. Thanks to your listeners, mate. It, it has been a busy year, and unfortunately for Queensland, it's been a year where we've gone backwards on a number of fronts, not because of Queenslanders, but because of a really rotten year. And I, I hope that uh, we can continue to put forward what's, what I call a positive plans for, for, a, for the right priorities, and that's what we've been talking about. Not the sort of things that occupy the minds of the government and their ministers. Uh, I'm talking about the things that real Queenslanders are talking to me about, you know, health, cost of living, law and order, housing, those who are on the land wondering whether or not they're going to be able to have a future for their kids because of a lack of water supply and, oh. and, and regulation just strangling them. That's the things we're talking about because that's what Queenslanders tell us are their priorities, mate. David, I, I, I'll start with health. Um, and look, we've had the health minister, believe it or not, Shannon Fenneman came on this show two weeks ago. She stood up, she came on, she accepted what had gone on. But the previous health minister, you've had death, had absolutely overseen a basket case. Now, the rot starts, the fish rots from the head. We all know that. But this health system now across the state in the regions where we are seeing a lack of services, we are seeing an absolute disdain. We've seen a patient die on, on, on the ramp out of Ipswich. We've seen people dying because saline, unfortunately, had a bacteria in it. We have seen people give birth to children between Gladstone and Rockhampton. We've seen services in Tambo where uh, they've had to take matters into their own hands and try and advertise for doctors using their own funds to try and campaign. It is a mess, diabolical mess, and I don't know how it gets back on track. I'm interested to know because, and I, we, we've got a million topics to talk about this morning, but how do we get the health system, the fundamentals to know that, hey, you're a Queenslander, whether you live in Mount Isa or you live in Barden, you're going to be safe, and when you go to the doctor, you're going to get looked after. It starts by making sure that the resources hit the front line. None of this complete centralisation of resources. Resources belong in hospitals, and we're committed to making sure of that. You mentioned about women giving birth on the side of the road. Well, that's because there's been 38 paternity services closed by these guys. I don't accept that places where women have given birth for generations 
um, that we have to give up on allowing access for mums to be able to have babies in country Queensland. I don't believe that every time somebody needs a service, they should have to pack a cut lunch and go to Brisbane. I grew up in a regional area and I want the same for my family as what, what I had. So that's the starting point, so that's resources. We also have to get serious about the way we triage. I want to, within 100 days, Queenslanders are going to see what is happening in their hospitals. That is a commitment. Within 100 days, we are going to open up the data, and that makes sure that, that there's over 5 million Queenslanders scrutinising the system, not, not the government cover-ups that we see. But the biggest change, and the one that means the most for regional Queensland, doctors and nurses are going to be put back in charge. If you're going to have people sitting on health boards, you've got to make sure they're empowered. You've sure. got people living and working in regional communities. They should have a say on what the resources look like. They should have a say on the way that those hospitals are run. And at the moment, there's this Brisbane knows best mentality, and it's got to change. Now, you mentioned the health minister. Well, she's been there for six months, and in that time, things have deteriorated. Now, it, it, you, you, you spoke about that tragedy with the Irving family, absolute tragedy. Horrific. And to stand beside that family was one of the toughest things to see a decent, honest, hard-working Queensland family whose dad died waiting hours on a ramp. In the same week, a young mum, a single mum, died because an ambo couldn't get to her. Now, you can't blame the ambos. They're not sitting at the pub. They're at the end of the ramp. They yeah. are stressed out. You can't blame the doctors and nurses. They're the ones running in circles just trying to free a bed up. This is the result of a broken system. And well, the minister might have come on your show a couple of weeks ago, but in the last couple of weeks, she has been MIA. We've had the fungal cluster and she sent out a bureaucrat. We had two people die and she sent out a bureaucrat. Sure. We had the health system, the, the electronic data go down. She said it was a minor hiccup. Doctors told us it was like a war zone. She sent out a bureaucrat. Nothing is changing. It's the same mob that have sit around the same cabinet table for nearly 10 years. And at the next election, Queenslanders need to ask themselves, when it comes to health, housing, youth crime, cost of living, conditions on the land, have things got better yeah. or worse in the last 10 years? And who's got the right priorities to do something about it? Oh, but you know, question, it's a basket case. I'm going to talk about a couple of issues. I'm going to go regionally here. And the reef regulations that affect the whole state and the Vegetation Act off the back of this advice that the state government get off UNESCO is absolutely, it's a shambles, it's shambolic. Um, the push for renewables. David, we understand that they've all got to work together, but you can go and clear any tree you want if you're going to put a wind farm up and, and destroy the vegetation. But if you're a farmer and you're managing the land and you're producing the food for the nation in this state, you're a criminal if you touch a tree. There's got to be some understanding from the government that we need to have the support of the government because at the moment the Labor government do not support agriculture. They support renewables, they support the greens, but farming, it's not their support. I don't think anyone cares about them understanding. What they want is fair rules and a level playing field. And that's all I've ever asked for. And I reckon that's all the majority of people on the land ask for. Why should a free ride be given to one sector while another sector gets treated like second-class citizens? It doesn't make sense. And I think most people, whether they live in the city or the country, will accept that there has to be rules and regulations. They accept that. But surely the value of something is worth the same. Sure. And surely people deserve to be treated the same if they're looking to do the same thing 
on the land. Yeah. And that's not happening at the moment. We've created a two-tier system of approvals. We've created a two-tier system of Queenslander, and that is broken and that has to change. How do you get the housing crisis sorted out in a quick way? I, I get emails and look, this. I'm not even going to touch on youth crime. It is just diabolical. But we've got a housing system. Every town at the present moment is struggling, right, regionally. Now, we've got a housing crisis in Brisbane, as you and I both know. You can't get rents. People can't afford houses. We've got interest rates going up, and that's a federal issue as well. But if you look at it, the mess that you're going to inherit, and you will inherit it next year, is that you've got to try and get these towns back on their feet. People need to go to the regions. How do we get it so that so we get some sort of, right, okay, you can go and live in Longreach. It's a great town. It's got services. It's going to be affordable. And you can move out. How do we make it more appealing to move to the regions? It's simple. It's about making sure that there is stock available. Sure. And there's all manner of people running around in circles, frothing at the mouth, talking about trying to manipulate markets. It doesn't work like that. It's about supply and demand. And here's our solution. It starts with infrastructure to open up new opportunities to get young kids into the market and be able to make sure that there are places where people can rent. That hasn't happened. It can't come back to every council, particularly in regional areas. Those councils do not have the financial capacity to be able to build that trunk infrastructure. That's the job of the state government. And there was a time in this state where the state government did that. It would be prepared to fund that infrastructure. We want to do that, and that'll open up new opportunities to be able to provide supply. Queensland has the lowest percentage of home ownership rate in the country at 64%. Within 10 years, my vision is to make sure we go from last to first. That's the first thing. Then there's the community housing sector. We're the only state that's gone backwards in that in the last eight years. There's a whole build-up of money, of will, of people who want to supply. And, of course, there's social housing where the government has announced a whole heap of funds that just haven't built things. So that's the three things. Land availability to make sure you get people into the market and people who want to invest. Social housing to make sure the government does its end of the bargain. And community housing to unleash that sector. Now, that's the starting point. I don't accept that we can continue to throw our hands up in the air as this mob have and said, oh, well, you know, that's the council's responsibility. It's not. Housing ultimately rests at the feet of the state government and we can't continue to make excuses for there not being enough and for young kids not being able to have the dream of owning a home in this place. Yeah, you're dead right. Look, there's a million things to, to go on. Just quickly, uh, the member for Gregory stands down, Lachlan Miller, and um, he, he stand, stood down and there's going to be some amazing people nominate um, and, and we've talked about it on this show um, for that seat of Gregory. Are you finding that, that and, and there's something within a lot of us, talking to a lot of people over the last couple of months, that people want to get involved now? That, you know, there, there's sort of almost some guilt within us that, hey, listen, we have to make a difference because this state has is going backwards. Lachlan's done a great job in Gregory, but I know that there is some unbelievable candidates who are putting their hand up, and obviously there's a pre-selection and a process but there's, there is a lot of people who are contemplating. I'd just love you to talk about how there is spots available and how if somebody is thinking about running, how they should get in contact with their local member or their local party. Thanks, mate. I'll, I'll start by saying Lachlan Miller is uh, just a, an absolute war horse and a workhorse for regional Queensland. He loves the place. 
we're going to miss him, mate. He's a, he's a, he's a fine human being. And I, I just love a man who's genuinely passionate about where he lives, about agriculture. He loves trade. And I, I hope in the future we might get an opportunity to do some, some, some good stuff with him because he's still a bloke. He's got a lot to give. In terms of the question about um, people putting their hand up, yep, I've been humbled by the amount of people who have phoned me from uh, from across from across Gregory, good quality cattle, people who have served their community at you know, really good good levels. Um, that's a matter ultimately for the pre-selectors, but I'll, I'll make this point. Isn't it beautiful to be a part of a party where you, your decision on who you represent you isn't based on some sort of union or big business? It's everyday mums and dads, it's farmers, it's store owners, it's workers, it's boiler makers. That's why I love the party that I represent. And the amount of people who have joined in recent times does tell me we are on the cusp of something special, where people feel like there is a, 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 there's never been a more important time to get involved with this change. And I think you're going to see someone outstanding come through that pre-selection process. I hope they're in the field sooner rather than later, so Lockie can take them under his wing and um, we can continue to uh, the push towards getting rid of an absolutely rotten state government, mate. Yeah, David, look, we will talk again in the new year, and it, look, I could go on gravel pitch, you name it. We, it just, it never, it's never ending. But I'm going to thank you for giving me some time. I know it's a busy week. Uh, thank you. It, it's good that we know how much and how important regional Queensland is to you and your team. You've made it very clear. A lot of your members talk on this show, uh, and we're very thankful for that. Have a great Christmas, and we really appreciate your time. Dobbo, to you and your listeners, mate, thanks for fighting the good fight for regional Queensland. It doesn't go unnoticed. Uh, have a great break. Everyone stay safe, work hard, and um, look forward to seeing you in the new year. Thanks, mate. Good on you. Welcome back to Rural Queensland today on the Resonate Broadcast Network. Uh, the Deputy Mayor of the North Burnett Regional Council is Robbie Rattle. And after 117 years of a family dairy business, it will be closing in the coming days. Robbie Rattle joins me this morning, um, and it's no doubt with a heavy heart he joins me. Robbie, good morning. Thank you so much for being with us. Yeah, good morning, Ben. Nice to talk to you. Let's start from the beginning, the family business. Let's start Central Queensland Dairy Fresh um, and the family business that has been yours um, for in your family for over 117 years. Yeah, Ben, we, um, our family started dairying um, at Colston Lake in 1906 and we've milked cows continuously there in the Colston Lakes and Biggin and area um, since, since that time, um, supplying, originally supplying cream um, and then moving into, into milk sales. And then uh, five years ago when you know, it was very well publicised that the the farm gate price was just not sustainable and there was the dollar a litre uh, milk wars that were on with um, driven by the, the big processors and, and also the, uh, the big supermarkets. It, um, it put us in a position where we made the, the call that we would either slowly get pushed out the back door because it just was not a, a financially sustainable price that was being paid um, for our operation. And it was either that or we take the option to take a leap of faith and and see if we can do our own brand. Yep. So we went with, with establishing our own branded milk. Uh, we actually went in collaboration with a couple of other farms, um, one in Mackay and one in the Boyne Valley, and established our brands and, and kicked off and um, got, the, got the brand up and going. And um, it has just been an incredible 
an incredible ride, really. The support shown by particularly small business over the last five years to you know want to support local farmers and know where their product comes from has just been absolutely incredible. It's it is such a, a good feeling to to get out and and talk to other small small business owners who just want to support local and and want the same in return. So it has been a um, a business that has has been more than just a business. It has grown into a lot of very close friendships uh, and working relationships. Mate, um, we've seen milk prices hit rock bottom and and, and the statistics don't lie. Um, the, the amount of dairy farmers over the last 10 years that have walked away from this industry is, is catastrophic. And this is off the back of plenty of things, but cost at the cost of production compared to what you're getting for your product farm gate... Um, with the supermarkets and some of these big retailers and also the imported milk that was coming in has been detrimental. Like there's, And we've talked about it, just unbelievable. And there's been plenty of people who have said, you know what, we're going to brand our own milk and we're going to sell it like that. And obviously that was the vision in a lot of ways that you had um, and, and, and that has gone on for some time. How hard is that and was that to process your own milk and try and create your own brand, knowing full well that, you know, there are people going past farm gates and people who are making it so difficult for you to try and be a part of that business? Look, it was incredibly challenging. We we made the, the business decision early on that we knew that to set up a processing plant and get everything established um, ourselves was simply not going to be viable. That's why there has, over the last 20 years or 23 years since deregulation, there has been so many who have tried and failed to establish their own brands because the overhead costs of setting up a processing plant and running a processing plant are just, um, you know, they're astronomical uh, when you when you look at the, what the return is on them. So we took the, the step of, um, of getting our milk contract processed by another uh, private label that was um, just based outside of Gympie and have always had our milk process there which has kept our overheads down and it went and well it went well off the back of of the back of this dollar milk the leap of faith Absolutely. that you showed you were supported by local business which we know you were supported by your own which we know and everybody survived that's the thing that's, you know everybody was exactly surviving wrong. you were able to keep your family and your business going and able to survive and it was supported which we know it always was that's right so then and- What's happened now that things this year, the business, your business, when you made that leap of faith, when you went and said, you know what, we're going to go and do it ourselves, fresh local milk for consumers, why are we now two days away from you closing your doors where the business has gone backwards this year? So the, um, I guess the, the crunch point for us was the, the processor who has always done our milk uh, made the decision to that they're going to retire and sell their farm and processing plant. Yep. Um, we we made a play to to buy that to be able to expand not only our own business but to uh, to keep the legacy going on the um, the brand that has always done it, our processing. Um, we couldn't couldn't come to uh, an agreement um, on that. Never got as far as getting a, a contract. Went very close, um, and the contract was never forthcoming. Uh, so once once we were confident that there was no further options going there, I started 
frantically ringing around the, the big processes and other smaller processes. And we simply haven't been able to find anyone else to either process our milk or who is prepared to take us on as a supplier. Um, where we are at Colston Lakes, the um, the only milk major milk processor that comes, or only milk processor full stop that comes, um, is there's only one that comes through, and that's Lactillus. Um, and that's who we originally supplied to before we, we left to do our own brand. And... They basically stonewalled us. I, I spoke with their, their field officer who said, yes, that'd be great. The milk truck goes right past. Um, you know, that'll increase our viability. We're always looking for, for more milk. And um, then three days later, I received a text message, nothing more than a text message, just saying uh, that they have consulted and uh, they're not prepared to take us on as a supplier. So um, despite the fact that they drive to Victoria every just about every day of the week, picking up millions of litres of milk to bring into Queensland to sell as fresh milk, um, they're going to see a farm that produces nearly a million litres of milk um, a year close because they won't call in and pick us up. Hang on, hang on. They drive past your gate, and they right. and you were going to say, okay, we're, we're going to obviously not have the brand going. We're going to just yes. start selling to this company and they have said, and that's Lactillus, and they have said that's Paul's milk, let's be honest with you. They have yes. said they they will not in any way uh, take you on as a supplier. That's right. Yes, we... Um, was there any explanation? Was there any reason? Only, do, no, you think, there, do you think it's was- pushed back because of the fact that you went against them and you didn't just toe the line and cop the dollar milk? and the absolute screwing over a long period of time um, in the dairy industry and that you, you had some foresight to go out on your own? Is that your belief? Look, I think I think that certainly um, adds to it. Um, you know, they, they have released the, their media um, statement saying that at the time that I contacted them, they, they weren't in need of any more milk, which you know, I, I simply don't believe that that is um, the case. When you've got a country that is a net importer of dairy products, how you can say you don't need more milk is just um, you know, absolutely unfathomable, unfathomable to me. Um, so, yeah, I believe it's a direct, a direct pushback. Um, we, we certainly didn't part on great terms when, when we left. Um, sure. There was some fairly, fairly ordinary um, behaviour went on, I guess. Um, and, I mean, we, as far as I'm concerned, we did everything to the letter of the law of the contract that we were signed under. Um, but yeah, they, they certainly got the better of us back then and, and made their feelings very clear on, on us leaving. And even in the marketplace, um, you know, I've, I've still got documentation that's been, that was, um, from customers who had taken me on, um, who said that they had a, uh, a rep coming in who was just doing nothing but bad mouthing us and our products and just telling flat out lies on the milk wasn't local and we had 30 farms, so we can't claim that it's local milk and, all this kind of rubbish. Um, so I think there's certainly a lot of pushback with with that. But you know, ultimately, it's it's just a real kick in the guts to lose something that we've been doing for so long. Um, and you know, in a, in an industry where there are people still going out every single day of the year, I get emails every day from um, auctioneers and and so on that are selling up entire herds of cows. Every day of the year, there are cows available for sale because people are going out of the industry, and we are here paddling like hell trying to stay in. And um, 
you know, we're not we're knocked back because we just don't have anywhere viable to send it to. And now, when I say uh, somewhere viable to send it to, we have been approached by um, a couple of other processes who have said that they would like to try and help us out. Um, but when you do the sums, you know, they they have to travel such a long way, and I'm I'm absolutely not interested in sending milk to someone if it means that they're not going to be able to make something out of it too. Oh, there's um, a moral compass with it, isn't there? You're with Ben Dobbin this morning on Rural Queensland Today. Robbie Rattle is our guest um, and he's talking about this harrowing story about having to shut down their dairy after such a long period of time, over 100 years. We'll take a break, come back with more. Robbie Rattle joins us this morning. Robbie, thanks so much for being with us, mate, and staying with us. Um, we'll keep back going. Robbie, I just don't understand how that they can, how they can um, actually allow this to happen. I, I, I don't, I do not get how they can allow this to happen, knowing full well um, that you're going to sell up, everything's over, and this company can hold their head up high and say, "Well, at the time we didn't need it." So, did they leave the door open at all? Right? Did they? Was the uh, door, no. the door ajar, or they just want to see you broken? The only correspondence that I have had back since our, those discussions that I had with the field officer was a single solitary text message, uh, no explanation. Just we've we've consulted and we're not prepared to take you on as a supplier. Um, I I replied with a text message and said thank you for letting me know. Um, can you tell me on what grounds you won't take us on? And we have never heard a word back. We've had no contact from the the company at all. Um, which has been really disappointing. Um, you know, even if they had come back with the same thing that they'd released in the media saying that we, we don't need the milk or we, you know, even if they were flat out blunt and said, um, due to our, our past Rocky relationship, we're not prepared to take you on. I would, I would pop that on the chin and say, right, well, at least we have been given a reason. It's just being flat out ignored and, and stonewalled. It just, that's what, to me, that, that's typical of big business. That yeah. they're not actually interested in the in the little guy or the the guy who takes all the risk, um, you know. For them, it's all about the the big picture, and um, yeah, it's you know, it's something that we as a family have now. I guess we've come to terms with the fact that after this amount of time, uh, we're going to be out of the industry. I'm genuinely pretty concerned about my father's well being tomorrow when the cows go. Um, I bet he's he's never done anything apart from milk cows so he's he spent his entire 82 years on that farm working with the cattle every single day of his life and for him to see that truck drive out tomorrow with the last of them um oh terrific it's it's, it's gonna be bloody hard robbie thank you for sharing your story i i i i can't i can't even begin to know what happens you're selling the majority of your head you're keeping some young registered Illawarra and Brown Swift dairy heifers in the hope that something might happen. But what happens to the property now? What what, what happens? I mean, how do you shift and change when this has been something that you've done your whole life? Yeah, it, look, it, it is going to be a fair sort of a change for us. Um, I guess the, the main thing that will make the transition possible is the fact that um, because of the, the style of dairying that we do, where we, we grow silage for the cows so that we can maintain a flat production level all year round, 
um, means that we've already got a lot of land is under cultivation. So it'll it'll go back under crop, whether it be um, peanuts or whether it's sorghum or corn, whatever it is. And you know that'll that'll buy us time. Um, you know, obviously, having had the farm for 117 years, we don't carry debt on the property, um, so we don't have any any huge overheads that sure. we have to sure. have to meet and and have a definite income to to keep it going. But you know, in saying that, there's two families who derive an income off the off the property at the moment, so we do have to make it um, a business venture. Yeah. So I imagine for at least the first season. Because it is, you know, if we get good rain now, there'll be seed will go in the grounds as it would have if we were still going to be milking cows. Um, seed will go in the ground straight away, and we'll get a crop up and going. Yep. And I guess then we'll we'll just play it by ear once that once the crop is up and going, that buys us uh, six months or so um, to to work out our direction for the future. I just can't believe that this is where we're at. I really can't. Um... I thank you so much for giving me some time and sharing this story. It's unbelievable and it's horrifying. And to your family, I am sorry. And the fact that we're at this position now, it absolutely is heartbreaking. Thank you so much for sharing this story, Robbie. And, and I understand how uh, how difficult it is to actually have these discussions, but I appreciate your honesty. And thank you so much for sharing us. And we are so bloody sorry. Uh, we will follow it with some – I'm going to try and, find, and get some comment on this. Uh, I'll get on to Paul Roderick as well, who sits on Dairy Australia board, and try and get some answers on why and how they allow this to happen. It's just criminal. I appreciate your yeah, ben, time. Ben, I appreciate the chat very much. And I guess just in closing, I'd like to um, say thank you very much to all the, all the people who have shown support, not only for buying our milk, but from the, the wider community who have sent messages of love and support um, on the, the news of us closing. It, it really has been overwhelming. Really appreciate your time. Thank you so much for being with us. Robbie Rattle, um, and just a dreadful, dreadful situation. Uh, 113 years of a family business gone. Tomorrow the cows get trucked, and bloody hell, this is what's happening in this state. This is Rural Queensland Today. Rural Queensland Today on the Resonate Broadcast Network. I touched on this briefly yesterday, uh, just about some of the absolutely awesome um, attractions throughout rural and regional Queensland um, that were announced as tourism winners uh, last week at the Queensland Tourism Awards. Well, we're lucky to have the uh, CEO of Queensland Tourism, Brett Fraser. He's been on this show before. He joins us this morning. Um, and he, and he, of the Tourism Queensland Council, he is joining us. Good morning, Brett. How are you, mate? Mate, I'm really well. I think uh, still recovering from a big week last week up in Cairns for Tourism Week, but, mate, what an exciting week. Uh, and look, congratulations. Um, I understand we go back in time in the dark days of COVID, and in a lot of ways it was the shot in the arm that the Queensland tourism needed because we had a lot of people who traditionally would go to Aspen or they'd go to Queenstown or they'd go to, to a summer Europe and they had to learn what it was like and, and they got out and they invested in our own our own treasures and it sort of highlighted what an amazing tourism business we have. Now, a couple of years on, yep, there are the planes going, but still we're very much a destination spot now in this great state and it's, it's in the regions. It, it, it's... It's not only in Brisbane and the Gold Coast. There is thousands of brilliant operators throughout the state who are opening their doors every day for people to come and visit and doing a phenomenal job. 
Yeah, look, you're so right, and you know, absolutely. You know, we are a we're a, a region in the country that you know typically you know before COVID, you know, we travel outbound more than we travel inbound. You know, than we travel with, within our own state, within our own country. But you're absolutely right. You know, COVID. You know, COVID took that option away from us. And we all, you know, we all jumped in our cars. We all got out there and explored our own backyard. And, you know, and I think people really fell in love again with what we have to offer. And there's no question during that time that, that Queensland was absolutely the pick of the place to be in Australia. You know, and it wasn't just us within Queensland who were out there traveling and getting around Queensland, but it was people from all across the country that were, that were coming to Queensland in their droves and, and really just, you know, gobsmacked by the amazing offers that we have um, in Queensland. And as you say, you know, a lot of that was the regional parts of Queensland. You know, and the Outback is a great example. I was one of those people. You know, I was one of those people. My family, you know, we jumped we jumped in a plane, we flew out to Longreach, we, we got in a car and we drove, you yeah. know, and we had an amazing time and so many people did that. You know, and I think, you know, the next couple of, you know, next six months to 12 months will be interesting to see how people, you know, start to change those habits and, you know, we'll start to see people going overseas, you know, more again. But I think, you know, I think and I hope that, you know, a lot of people will continue to explore Queensland uh, because there is just so much to offer. A lot of fantastic attractions. And and I did say, and I've got to re- congratulate it. It's one of the great things. If ever you've got a, and, and I'm saying this to everybody listening to a regional Queensland, we all go to the coast at Christmas time, but if you ever want to get over your bird fears, you need to go down with a key defeater to the Corumban Wildlife Sanctuary uh, it won the top gong, and rightly so. Um, it, it is a phenomenal thing, and they've done an, an amazing job there. I should touch on the Corumban Wildlife Sanctuary, just on the job that they actually did. Phenomenal. Oh, ab- unbelievable. You know, they took out gold for major tourist attraction, which, you know, it's, it's one of the, the pinnacle awards, you know, of the year. And, you know, to be inducted into the Hall of Fame this year after winning that category three years in a row, you know, that's an amazing achievement. And it just, just goes to show you know, they are doing some really wonderful stuff. You know, and you've got to remember too, you know, not just providing a great product and service to visitors who want to go to that facility, but looking after, you know, sick, you know, and injured animals as well. You know, so their business is a really complex one and they're just doing an incredible job. Can I ask you this? Um, Nat- Natalie Flecker has just done an amazing job at Mount Isa. Um, she's run the Mount Isa Radio, but this Indigenous Radio um, that has been now a phenomenal initiative. It it went close to winning a top gong, but won an award. And there's been a lot of regional awards, but it's just certain, it, it's like a destination in its own right now. And what a phenomenal concept, and rightly so, was awarded um, and, and recognised as such an important part of, of the Queensland fabric now. Oh, look, absolutely. And, and Natalie does an amazing job. Like, let's, let's be honest about it. Like, she's taken this in such a short period of time and turned those events into, you know, really two of the hallmark, you know, events on the calendar, you know, to take out the top gong for the eyes of rodeo, you know, and, and to be honest, and to, to knock off, you know, you know, outback Queensland Masters. Do you yeah, remember the, yeah. you know, outback the outback Queensland Masters took out silver. Um, in that category, and you know, and Natalie took the top the top honour in that award, but then also to win silver for the Indigenous Rodeo, like that's that's amazing. And you know, to have people like Natalie, you know, doing this, you know, doing what they do, and, and bringing these types of events and festivals, you know, to to Queensland and to outback to regional Queensland is just amazing. And you know, to anybody who's had the chance to get out to either of those, 
um, festivals. Oh, just just incredible. You know, it's certainly on on my calendar. Uh, you know, again for next year, and you know, these are things that people you know put on their calendars a long time out, and they plan their, their time around it. We are critical of the government in different areas, but one thing that they can't be ever criticised on is their support of the tourism industry. They understand the value of it and, and destinations. Like you talk about Mount Isa Rodeo, you, you talk about different festivals, different events. They get in behind them. Even the Outback Masters that they've, they've been part of, like, and that's. That's something that they are. They do understand. I call it outside money, and I mean that. I mean any anybody that goes into a town that doesn't come from that town and spends there, it's it's almost the double effect. And the government have the state government have been very supportive of that. Yeah, look, they have been, and you know, it's it's no, you know, there's no surprise. You know, we don't agree on everything, you know, with the government, but you know, in that regard, they are doing an absolutely fantastic job. We we can't knock them on that. You know, to support those types of activities and events, um, you know, really do bring a lot of money and a lot of people into those regional communities. You know, and I think they've got that, um, you know, they've got that right where they've kind of identified and said, hang on, what are these activities that genuinely will bring out of region people into these regions in an appropriate way um, that does generate real value back to that local community? And I think they've found that model. And they're doing it really, really well. Like you say, the the Outback Masters, um, the rodeos and others, you know, to do that sort of stuff is great. You know, you would have probably seen also, you know, announcements last week, you know, around funding for backing bush tourism. Yep. You know, so the government's come out, you know, with grants again for businesses to, you know, to do more in the regions. So, you know, I think these little things like this make a massive difference to our industry. So, you know, we are, we are very thankful for the support that we get. I should talk just – I don't normally talk numbers, but just to give everybody some insight listening to us, Outback Queensland, um, the year with domestic tourists overnight visit expenditure, it outperformed anything. It earned $891 million, which is a 19.5% increase. I mean, that, that you can't lie with those stats. It, 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 those stats don't lie. Um, it, it is – I don't know how you eclipse that this year coming, but but you know what I do say? I think it's bloody great, um, and I think it's awesome, and I think people are – they've taken the bait, and rightly so, and it tastes good. Absolutely, and let's let's hope they continue to they continue to travel, you know, they continue to turn left and, you know, continue to travel out to the outback and, you know, to our regional towns and, you know, continue to spend that money because, you know, God, God knows we need it. You know, we need people getting out and about and travelling, you know, and, you know, particularly as that um, we are still waiting for that international tourist to come back. Um, we need all of our our local, you know, domestic tourists to, to keep on getting out there and travelling around. I will just quickly congratulate everybody. Isa Radio Limited, Mount Isa Mines Indigenous Radio, um, gold for festivals and events. The Mitchell Grass Retreat, gold for unique accommodation. Isa Radio Limited, once again, silver for major festivals. Outback Queensland Masters, silver, and the Queensland Music Trails, the Outback Trail, bronze for cultural tourism. Brett Fraser, CEO um, of Queensland Tourism Industry Council, I thank you so much for being with us this morning, mate. Have a great Christmas. We'll talk in the new year and have a great break. Mate, thanks a lot. Speak to you in the new year. Good on you. We'll take a break. Come back with more. Well, that's it from us here this morning at Rural Queensland today. Hope you've enjoyed the show. We're back tomorrow morning from 9am, same time, same place. Bill McDonald joins you next. Have a great day. And remember, when the weed is ripe, keep the headers rolling in the paddock. We'll catch up with you again tomorrow morning stay safe on the roads avoid the storms wherever you are and look we are just so proud to live in rural and regional queensland and we do our best for you every single day uh absolutely uh cannot 
thank you enough for giving me the support to represent you. Have a great day. We'll be back again tomorrow morning on Rural Queensland Today. Bill McDonald joins you next.